Father in heaven, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time that we can have together. We've just absorbed so much this week, and now we are full. Uh, we want just to be a little bit more. We need more. We want more. We want to go away with strength that will remain. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts for the special worship hours of the Sabbath, that you would fill us with hope, for hope is the heart of health. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was really uh, wondering what approach to take today, how to, how to wrap up our balanced living boot camp from the purposeful part. And I came across this beautiful statement I want to share with you. I carry several of these things in my Bible, these special statements that I just can't get, low, uh, get, get uh, out of my eyesight. I need to have them with me. And there are two statements that I'm going to say, share with you today because we're going to be dealing with victorious Christian living today. We're going to be dealing with how to be steadfast in a world full of trouble, turmoil, and trials. And we're told that all who in this world render true service to God or man receive a preparatory training in the school of sorrow. Have you had some sorrow in your life? I call it going through the paper shredder. The weightier the trust and the higher the service, the closer is the test and the more severe the discipline. So ha have you ex had this experience where you've gone through some brokenness in your life and it may be stuff that happened to you when you were little and you had no control over your environment. It may be stuff that was done to you. It may be stuff you were born with. I think of a really precious girl uh, that... I just grew to love over the years who she was in her 30s and she had a cerebral palsy type of syndrome uh, and, a, and, a, and a stiff leg and a slurred speech. She was a beautiful Christian girl, had some limitations. Her mother had hit her in the head with hammers and that's what caused her condition. She was a worshiper of God, a worshiper of God. Oh, how I, she glowed because of what God had resurrected her from, even though she still lived in the limitation of what had been done to her. God is in the business of turning curses into blessings. He is, because this world isn't fair. And, and upon the heels of that statement, I will share this and then we'll get started with my part. Christ can look upon the misery of the world without a shade of sorrow for having created man. We're told that if we understood all the evil that was in this world, it would kill us. It would kill us. In the human heart, he sees more than sin, more than misery. In his infinite wisdom and love, he sees man's possibilities, the height to which he may attain. He knows that even though human beings have abused their mercies and destroyed their God-given dignity and even the dignity of others, yet the creator is to be glorified in their redemption. That's love. That is from Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. Um, it's an introduction. The first one was at Education, page 151. So today we want to sort of put the whole picture together. And this is, um, this is just a, a small snippet uh, of two PowerPoint series that we're putting together that will be ready for you to use and make your home a home of hope. Uh, it'll be ready in August. It's called Revelations Overcomers. 
Keys to Victorious Living. So today we're just going to do a teeny little snippet of what will be available to you so that you can bring hope and encouragement and life into souls that are ready to perish from discouragement and addictions and sorrow and bitterness and life ain't fair. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go eat worms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a song. It gets worse. But because I can't sing, I won't sing it to you. All right, so if we can get the panic button, that's what they call that thing over there is the panic button. Turn this off. So today, uh, uh, moving through life with a purpose means you're going to be transcending thoughts and feelings. You're going to be moving through life according to truth. And instead of, and, and circumstances then, whatever they are, can be your helpers instead of your taskmasters. The thoughts and the emotions combined constitute character. And of all the faculties that we have, they, we probably pull a rein in on those the least of anything. So in the first century Christian church, the, God's people at the end of time are called the remnant, the remnant of her seed, right? So the remnant is the same piece of cloth that was at the beginning. So it looks the same. It has the same qualities. So I want to know what the first part of that bolt of material looked like, the first qualities of that church that Jesus commends. And the seven churches in Revelation, uh, Ephesus was the ch first church. And so the first century, the first hundred years of the Christian church had qualities that uh, will be manifest again at the end of time under the most adverse circumstances. The weakest generation is going to have the noblest walk with God. It's only the grace of God that can make this happen because we're genetically the weakest. We've been the stupidest. We're ignorantly alienated from the life of God. Isaiah chapter 24 verses 4 through 6 says that the whole earth is groaning under the burden of sin and the inhabitants of the earth languish. And that word languish means they get shorter. Uh, and, and so... The first century believers had power for the journey. How many of you would like power for your journey in life? You know what? We're not training for a marathon here. We're training for life. We're training for life. Every day, life is going to dish out something to you. The other day, I Brother Jerry helped me a little bit. I, I woke up. I had a migraine. It, it was terrible. I don't, I'm not a natural person that wants to be up front. I'd rather be a librarian, you know, if it was my natural self. And I just wanted to go home. When your head hurts, you just want to go home. But I just had to say, I have a choice. I can be either pitiful or powerful. I chose powerful, Donut. But I did stay under the covers for a couple hours. <laughs> So the early church, they loved God. They lived fruitful lives. And you know what I told myself, Dona, during that season of distress? I said, you know what? When I get through this, I'm going to be stronger because I'm not going to go according to my impulse. Isn't that just the most wonderful thing to actually think something like that and then follow through with it? That's really very cool for some of us. That's a big step. So they loved God. Here are the four things. They loved God. They lived what kind of lives? They lived fruitful lives. They had what kind of faith? Steadfast faith. You know, we are in a world of so much instability, and there's nothing the enemy fears more than that we will become stable people, stable emotionally, stable spiritually, stable in our lifestyle, stable in our relationships. Um, have you ever been around somebody that you just have to keep them fixed all the time? You have to explain everything and make sure they're okay and prop them up. And I mean, you know, 
I've said this several times during this class, we need more backbone and less wishbone so that we can actually navigate through life without everybody having to make sure we're okay all the time. Amen? And they had steadfast faith and persevering strength. What does persevering strength indicate? That there's something you have to persevere about. This is not a cakewalk, no pun intended. It's a battle and a march. So over time, what happened to the first century church? Over time, in spite of her good works, her love and her light grew dim. The early church, it says in Revelation, lost that first love. And it's very easy for us in, a, in an abundant society. With, with, we're isolated. We're anonymous. We're boundaryless, timeless. You can get on the Internet. You can order anything, anytime, anywhere. You can eat for any reason. Nobody knows you. you know, and so, so we have no boundaries around us, no distractions. And it's very easy to become uh, bombarded with so much that stimulates that we get to the point where we can't respond with much strength to anything. Still bored in a culture of entertainment. That's where we are. So when a relationship becomes routine, it loses its luster. But when religion becomes routine, it loses its life. It loses its life. It becomes about a list instead of a life hidden with God instead of a relationship with a companion where I was sharing with a friend of mine, we were sharing up here about some hard times uh, in the past, and I said, you know, after what some of the stuff I've experienced, I feel like my house is filled with peace dust. It's really nice uh, to, to be at a place where you know that God is in your house. He's in your house. He's in your stuff. He's in your decisions. He's in every room of your house. And you don't feel alone. Sometimes you have loneliness, but that's different than being isolated. You can handle it. So the four keys to victorious living that we're just going to touch on in my few minutes is number one, receiving God's love. Number two, fruitful living. Number three, persevering strength. And number four, steadfast faith. That's quality stuff for moving forward personally and in your ministry and in outreach. Now, here's the thing. I I've thought about this. As a parent who's raised Christian children, you know, I I've already told you I was a runaway. I started running away from home when I was five, had be believed in an eternally burning hell, so I became an atheist very young by second grade. I rejected all belief in God because of the some of these monstrous, unbiblical doctrines. And then coming from a violent home on top of that, what is there to believe in? And so as a Christian mom, when I became a Christian and raised my children, we were devout. We raised them for Jesus. They can never accuse me of not explaining things, ever. Uh, we had a Bible study for everything and filled their lives with God's word and worship and gardens, and I never wanted them to experience what I experienced growing up. And, and, and yet, here's the problem with kids that are raised Christians. The problem is we teach them compelling reasons to love God. There are compelling reasons to love God. But the truth is, nobody loves God automatically. Nobody can be convinced in their head to love God because he's good and because he's wonderful. We love God only because he first loves us. We love him because he loved us and we go to him because we need him. That's why we go to God. 
And we have to stand back as parents and let our children experience their need of God. We can't be so overprotective that they don't get to have that experience. Here's the Bible. We love him because he first loved us. That's so precious. I love this from one of my favorite devotionals. I don't know if they have this in the bookstore, but I recommend this book to you, this devotional, Our Father Cares. The great physician has a remedy for every ill. What's the next sentence? He understands your case. He understands your case. Whatever may have been your errors, he knows how to deal with them. Will you not trust yourself to him? Do you want to, could you trust a God like that? And when we take that step of trust, when we go to him filthy as we are and say, God, I need you. I am all attitude. I am bad. Sin's bad. I'm ugly and the devil is evil. And I got nothing in my hands but ashes. Will you make me new? He will pour his love into your life. He will attract you to him with his love. He says, I've drawn you with the cords of love. And that brings us to the stage where now we respond to him in fruitful living. He wants us not only to produce fruit, not hothouse plants that wilt the minute a wind comes up, but he wants us to produce fruit that remains. He wants us to abide. He says, when you do this, your joy will be full. Can we have joy in our journey with God even though we're learning and making mistakes and blunders? When you know that God has invested in you and that, he's, and that he is going to keep working with you if you just keep saying yes, and if you keep just following his instructions, why? He says you were bought with a price. Bring glory to him. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. They're all his. Man is not divided up into multiple parts. The thinking part and then the non-thinking body part. Our, the, the brain is the hardware of the soul. We've been over this several times this week. And so as we glorify him in our lifestyle, it sharpens our faculties. We need his oversight in our lives. We need his. The Bible says, ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. That's a spiritual prayer that we pray based on a promise. But it is also a brain function. And we can destroy the ability to govern ourselves by the way we live. We need foresight. We need the ability to think, if I eat this wedding cake, if I eat this whole pizza, if I stay up for three days in a row, this is what's going to happen. That's foresight. And, and, and it's something that we pray for. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. It will be given him. But we can defeat that prayer by practice, by practices in our lives, because it's a brain function as well as a something that we pray for from God. So we need insight as well. We need insight over our journey. We need oversight to be able to monitor ourselves. And we need foresight to see where our course is going. And we also need hindsight. I like what Jerry said. I hope I never forget it, that we want to, we want to how, how does it go? What is that thing about the past? We want to reference our past. Yeah, our past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. So that's hindsight. But these are all brain functions. And so I'm so thankful for the biblical living principles, principles of psychological health, 
principles of social health, principles of physical, mental, spiritual well-being, principles of stewardship. People who hate God, who are atheists, who live by those principles, are blessed by them. They're blessed by them, aren't they? He makes his son to, re to reign on the just and on the unjust. His principles are good because God is good. So you can love God, do the wrong thing, and suffer. Now, we know that suffering happens to all of us and terrible things happen to innocent people. I told you already in one of these earlier classes, my Aunt Ida Ferrari said that people who are mean have something in their blood that keeps them alive a long time. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't know. There are some things we're never going to understand. Really wonderful, happy people who live right have terrible things happen to them and they die. But would you agree with, and really nasty people live a long time. The Bible says, though, a sinner do evil a hundred times, yet I know it will be well with those who fear God. Amen? Amen? He's always calling us to look at the big picture. And so it's never a bad thing to do what God says. Lifestyle, it's, a, it's temperance. Uh, we're called to temperance. Temperance is not a list of things to do. It is a character trait of God given to us in the form of seed. And as we cultivate that seed, study that seed, nourish that seed, then that fruit is born in our lives. And it brings joy. The ability to refrain from an impulse that you know is harmful is freedom. And he wants you to be free on the inside. Relationships. So our internal environment of the decisions that we're making, what we surround ourselves with and who we surround ourselves our relationship with God is more important than any earthly tie. And we can never surrender principles of right and wrong in order to please someone who tries to entice us to do wrong. The Bible says, when sinners entice thee, consent thou not. So the Bible says, I'm a companion of those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. Why? Because we're an exclusive club? No, but because we need to encourage one another, strengthen one another, bolster one another, and help one another. Persevering strength. Here's what Revelation says about those who persevere and who endure. And by the way, perseverance is a miracle in a brown wrapper, isn't it? It doesn't feel like God's in it, but when you have to persevere and push through to get a result that you know is the right thing to do and it's hard, God is changing you. And that's the miracle, and he's in it. These are they who came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I love this from Christ's Object Lessons. I just read it the other day. The perfect fruit of faith, meekness, and love often matures best amid what? Storm clouds and darkness. I wish it was some other way. But we can learn some lessons of power, strength, trust, dependence, and humility through the, the uh, trials that we go through in life. Steadfast faith. You know, when, when, when Peter was about to deny Jesus, Jesus said to him, Peter, I have prayed for you that your group fail not, that your team fail not, that your Bible study fail not, no, that your faith fail not. That your faith fail not. Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. Faith is not just positive thinking. Faith is believing in a good God who you can trust. You can trust what your Heavenly Father says. 
and your faith will grow as you exercise it. And we're told in Acts of the Apostles that faith grows in earnest conflict with doubt and fear. I heard Mark Finley give a perfect example of this when he was baptizing people in some river in Africa that was infested with crocodiles. He said, yeah, I was afraid. Do it afraid. You can feel wrong and do right. Amen? Feelings are overrated sometimes. Now, I love this. This is from someone very special. Died of a long, lingering illness. He kept praying, one more project for thy cause, dear Lord. Oh, how he loved God. Faithful saint of God. Here was his comment on faith shortly before he died. Faith is not an insurance policy against unwanted troubles. Faith is a roadmap, God's GPS, that will lead us unfailingly to God's perfect destination for us. Faith is not given to avoid problems. And oh, how we prayed for the burden and the problem and the deadly disease to be lifted. Oh, how we pled with God. A thousand people prayed. Faith is given, faith is not given to avoid problems. Faith is given to avoid failure while enduring problems. I just want his faith that overcomes the world, his faith that develops me to meet each new trial, his faith that prepares me for the only guarantee that faith can offer, for by grace you are saved through faith. Last words of my husband. And now, just as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, continue in him. Let your roots grow down in him. Let your lives be built in him. Just keep saying yes to God. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth, like a pine sapling that grows stronger, sturdier, and bigger with each passing season. You will gain strength of character as you walk with God through every circumstance of life, not just the successes, but also the setbacks, the losses, the failures, and the achievements. Do you want that walk with God? Is it worth it today? Yes. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. We won't even be able to call up our worst trial. It won't even, we won't even remember it. Behold, Jesus said, I am coming quickly. The time is at hand. Thank you. Evelyn? Now God uh, hired Dane and I in this conference to produce these tools for you. And this conference supports this. This isn't just me running around saying these things. This is me and my team preparing words for your mouth, for your world, your people, in your neighborhood to make your home a home of hope. How many of you would like to make your home a home of hope? Have you been encouraged today by these words? Do you know somebody that might be? Oh, how God's character has been misrepresented. When you think of the worst thing anybody has ever said about you, and it's probably true, <laughs> you just think about these lies that have been told about God. As we are producing these materials for you to use in your community, there's three areas that we're always going back to. One is to create a lifestyle. The next is to create an environment. And yesterday we talked about an internal environment and how we think. Also, an external environment and what surround us. 
If you have a bowl of M&M's sitting in front of you, Oscar, what are you going to do? You're going to eat them, right? So creating an environment so it's the easiest thing to make the right choice. And the next is to create connections. Connections with other people and a connection with God. All of this points to what's going on in the brain because that's where God speaks to us, isn't it? And as we've learned this week, when we make choices about our lifestyle, that affects the physical, the chemical, and the genetics of the brain. The way we think changes the brain. The things that surround us, as we've been learning from Jerry, changes our brain. The relationship that we have with others and our relationship with God. What is it that you think in your life would be an advantage to think about in order to maximize that brain function? We talked about eating more fiber, watching the sugar, how much fat's going in, getting enough sleep. There's a lot of things we know, but are we putting them into practice? And how do we, how do we create this environment, this desire, this want to, to do this? And I think what, what is one of the motivating factors for me is that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and that in order to have that connection with God, that doing these things do make a difference. So what I'd like for you to do as you talk to each other today is to talk about which of these things do you think, is it a piece of the lifestyle? Is it the way we're thinking, like our attitudes we talked about yesterday, or something that's surrounding you? Or is it reaching out to other people? Or is it like Vicki has brought us today, is to go back to that first love, to have that persevering strength and that faith that we need uh, to, to navigate through the, the craziness of life. So I want you to talk to the person next to you on what is that, what is that next step for you, looking into this big picture that will help to, to help you to gain more traction to, in your own life and how you can reach out to other people in your community. So please share that right now of, of the things that we've talked about here. Does anybody like to share something that you think the next step might be for you? What you yes. Go to bed earlier. Go to bed earlier. So how is it that you can get yourself to go to bed earlier? What would that take? What would that look like? Get up early. Get up earlier? <laughs> Don't go to the meetings at, me, me, at, at night. Just go to bed. <laughs> that's, what I, meeting, that's what I've been doing. At camp meeting, it might be a little more difficult, isn't it? But, um, I have done it. But how important is that to get enough sleep? I mean, to, to decide that this is a high priority, a higher priority in my life, and that is actually when the brain uh, restores itself, and that's when what we learn today goes into hardware, is when we're sleeping. I used to tell my kids that 
at Andrews, if you want to remember what you learned today, you get enough sleep tonight because that's how, that's the way it works. And so realizing that's a high priority, but looking at, you know, getting ready. And in many of our programs, we talk about sleep hygiene on, you know, what is it that you need to do in order to set the stage that you're actually getting to bed on time. So what do you think that might be for you? Thank you. Oh, take <laughs> Okay, maybe not so long nap huh, in the afternoon. Uh, so that's one, one area one? to look at. But to realize which, that which, it's... Which one? <laughs> we can all move over here. Sorry, <laughs> home group. To realize that that's a high priority. And why would that be a high priority for you? Yeah. Thank you. Helps my mood? Yes, definitely. When we are, and, and realizing that there is a, there, there's pain and there's pleasure in the decisions that we make. And if we, we don't do it, there's a pain involved, there's a pleasure on the other side when we actually do this. And so realizing that. But I don't think you're alone in uh, maybe that desire of wanting to get more sleep. Yes, Pat? There's a blast of energy that you get late at night and that keeps you from going to sleep. So on your Fitbit, you set the alarm and that, that signals you of when it's time to slow down. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a time there in the evening where we start to get tired, and if you if you uh, push through that, sometimes that spurt of energy will happen. And realizing that that that's something that could happen if you get involved in a project or something, and it actually keeps you awake. But there's a price to pay. There's always, just like Vicky said, of having that foresight. And and so many people don't do this. If I do this, what's the result going to be? And often those, those thoughts don't even come into the radar of what's going to happen if I make that choice. Um, but having a healthy brain that realizes um, that, the, that thoughts make a difference, when we think it, yesterday we talked about when you think it, it's actually practicing doing it. The same areas of the brain light up. Yeah, so you you found a solution that that's working for you that you're. Yeah, being consistent, but be, practice makes permanent, right? And that the more times you do it right, the easier it gets because you create that pathway in your brain. Yes. To get you up in the morning. You prayed that God would get you up. <laughs> so, I have to repeat this. So, so you ask God to get you up early, and he does every morning at 4. And so now you have to make the decision to get to bed on time because he's keeping on waking you up. Yeah. Anybody else have that? You, you, tell, you, you have this wake-up time in the morning. It just happens every morning. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you prayed, I had to put it on tape. So you asked God to wake you up at four in the morning, he did, but you were cold and said, I, I want to be warm and you got a nice hot flush. Yeah. Warm surges I call them. Yeah. Cool. Okay, is there another comment? 
But these lifestyle choices, they're sinful choices. That doesn't mean they're easy. But they're sinful choices that make a huge difference. You know, the one about others, friends are not fluff. Friends are something that we need. We need to take time to establish friendships, take time to be with family. All of these things affect our brain, affect our relationship with God. What do you say about getting along with others? Um, not <laughs> that's, what, that's what makes us strong. These relationships help us to grow. They're very important. So, they're not flawed, but they're very important. That's right. Um, but um, you'll see as you go through the materials that we do that these are the three major points of, of developing the big picture, the brain. And, and um, as, as Vicki has already shared with us, the importance of ha having that first love experience. And, and it's God that, that ripens the fruit of joy and patience and love and long-suffering and temperance in our life. And, and that time with God is, is, the, Amen. It Amen. is the strength that pushes us through. Amen. Okay, um, we're so happy to have Jerry Shield with us this week. He's come to us from Canada and uh, sharing some wonderful... Have, have, how many of you have been here and heard these stories? Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Thank you for being with us, Jerry. You're um, welcome. I think, does that work now? Yes, I'm just going to move this to the side. Thank you. I've been so I've been so blessed with these uh, just being here. Thanking Vicky and Evelyn again and the whole Michigan conference. Uh, the opportunity that I can be here is just amazing, and uh, I've learned so much. My heart has been so touched. I really don't care to go back. <laughs> you know, well I do, but you know what I mean. It's uh, it's a real blessing, and uh, I'm. If I don't see you again on this earth, I'll be looking for you in glory. But I won't be having glasses on. <laughs> okay? So I'll be looking for you in glory. First one I want to share is that, as I shared at the beginning about, without getting into any of the details, I never really like to get into details unless it's necessary with a specific situation and a person. And then I might talk more about it. But I don't talk about it just to talk about it it's not helpful at all. Um, it just goes back into those old memories that's not the best. But you know, I come off the streets as a youngster. I was raised in Adventist home, come off the streets as a youngster, in and out of jail to the 20s and drug houses and that gang. That's my life for the 20s. Ended up in the States, then da Dallas. Then I accepted the Lord in Dallas, Texas with a lot of pain in my life. The one part I didn't share, and I'm saving it till today, the importance of printed material. And it's such a blessing, and I mentioned this to Vicki, you know, I, that I'm going to share a little bit at the beginning about the importance of printed material. After I accepted the Lord beside that river when I had all that pain in my life, and a Baptist uh, young man that was going to a Baptist seminary was bringing me to the Baptist church, and I'd go with him. And I was just wondering, like I said, I was raised in an Adventist home, right? And I'm... Um, one evening, now I was going to the Baptist church, and one evening I was out for a walk in town of Dallas. And I remember it very clearly. 
it was wet. It was a rain. And the other thing I shared with Vic and a group of people last night, I have a form of dyslexia where I don't see pictures in my mind. So if I'm reading, there's no pictures. That's why novelties are not an interest. That's why even Book of Revelation and Daniel is very hard for me to grasp. I do not see it. So every single thing is memorized. Even letters are memorized. And uh, so I don't see those pictures. But this morning when I was laying in bed, I saw this little picture that I saw back in Dallas. And what it was is that when I was walking after that rain, I saw a piece of material laying on the asphalt. And I got a little closer look at it, and I recognized that from home. It was the signs of the times. See, I haven't shared this yet. It was the signs of the times. And what it was, I remember very vividly, okay, and I could see it. And I saw it again this morning. It was a little baby crawling up the steps to a building. And I looked at that, and I picked it up, and I flipped it over, and it had the address of the Dallas Seventh-day Adventist Church on it. I went to the church, and I started going to the church there, and that's where I was baptized before I came back to Canada. So I was baptized in Dallas, okay? And that was the story. So the importance of printed material, to have a material. Now, how that got there, I don't know, but I talked to the Signs of the Times if we can actually find a copy of that. Uh, it would be neat to have a, uh, that, that, that uh, handout. So that's very important to have a, a printed material. It's like they say, it, the, the leaves, let them fall like the leaves of autumn. And that's what I think about. How did that piece of material, that Signs of the Times, get there? I don't know. But it's so important to, to, uh, to have that material. And I'm so blessed to see all the material that the conference has put together. It's, it's just amazing. I, I, yeah, I just find it so amazing and blessed. And I was sharing yesterday about how, how I, Evelyn, if you get to, thank you very much. How the, my home in High River, that's Alberta, in 2013 was totally wiped out from the flood. And I had the pictures yesterday about it how what happened with the flood and whatever, then how the house got rebuilt. And the goal with that house, it used to be an old booze and drug house. And there's no church in that area. And I, I wanted to fix that old house up. And I was working on it hard to fix it up. And it was a lot of work. The floods came. I ended up being blessed. A long story, but I ended up being blessed. But I always, what I did at that time, I recommitted my heart to Jesus. And I recommitted even that old lot that that house stood on. Given it all to Jesus, whatever I had, I gave it all. I said, this is yours, lead. And through the whole thing, what happened, end up getting a new home. With volunteers helping, some help from the government, and some other, you know, from different uh, sources. And this was our open house. The day that, uh, that we had our open house, so we had people from the community that was there, so the house is set up. I don't have, I've been offered a kitchen tables, nice kitchen tables and that, but it doesn't work. All I have is a fold-up table at where I sit in the kitchen. Is because we just knock that down on Friday nights or every Friday night we have a potluck for the community. And we have a Bible study after. 
okay? Then every third Saturday of the month, we actually have a home group Sabbath program and get people from the community involved in that. So having a nice, comfortable chair there, and I, and I have that little green little rocker there. I've had that for years, but there is no other furniture there except the one beside the wall. It's just because it's convenient to have something knocked down when we set up all the chairs, and sometimes we'll have a music night. Sometimes we have a movie night with popcorn in the house and all these activities in the home. So it was God's home. And Vicky has mentioned about the House of, house of Hope. I shared one night about how the lady that would came to my place, I know her, and she wanted the Living Free program from Habits That Hurt so she could take it to the home that they started in, in my area. And what it is, it's a home for women that has been uh, uh, rescued out of the uh, sex trade. And it's called the House of Hope. And the reason why is because the first lady that they worked with and the lady that's really working with the project now, her name is Hope. Okay, so that's how why it's called the House of Hope. And I just wanted to share that part. So we have other activities going on at home. Now, this is one of the evenings we had uh, someone come in speaking, if you notice that. That is boosting your immune, about the immune system. It's on the Balanced Living Program. So the other thing that we do at the home is uh, we have an evening where we'll have supper and then we'll just, uh, someone will come in and speak. And this couple, she actually did a lot of work with, it is written in Canada, uh, Marlon, uh, Marine standing there and her husband Marlon, uh, it is written Canada in nutrition. And so they were there at the home and they were given a presentation from the uh, Balanced Living Program, which is a really excellent program. A blessing to have that. This guy right here with the back, this one right here, okay, I've known him for a while. He's a Jehovah Witness. He's been kicked out because he still smokes. I meet him on the tracks when I go for walking. And I was out walking, and I saw his wife on the tracks out by the river, and I just said, hey, we're having this little program at the house tonight. You know, it's on the health and immune system. If you're welcome to come, both of them came. And they were so involved in that presentation. So you never know. It's, it's a, it breaks the ice. Uh, this, was, this was our first home Sabbath group that we had, and it was a year ago, March. So what we did is we had young people there from the community. See how we have the chairs all set up? These people all the way came all the way from six and a half hours from all the way up north where we put the Living Free program on. Uh, so we have it all set up. They led up in the music that day. So that's what we do. We try to have the music. We have to have the, the gospel message. We have other activities out of the home. Downstairs, uh, a lady took the young ones and she led out in the little class downstairs. Remembering, two years prior to this, there was nothing. I was out of that place for a year. I was in a camp for a year after the flood, not knowing what was going to happen. But it all worked out. And we're talking, like Vicki, you're talking about shaking and things happening. Is it going to stop the group or is it going to do this? What is it going to do our, to our faith? That's what it's really about. What is it going to do to our faith? And just kept on moving forward, put it in God's hands. All these things are evolving. So this is what can happen in the home. This is our, our, our first uh, Sabbath. These are the people that came out. 
we have anywhere from, not into the numbers, but they're just telling you what happens, anywhere from 60, I mean 16 to 30 some people that come out. And we have these activities and scripture and we have songs and we have points of uh, be it health and uh, different topics that we'll cover. Just a, a blessing to have these people and uh, from all different walks of life, a number of them in there are not Adventists. A number of them. This is here, what we do is this is part of the supper. I mean, uh, lunch. So we, that's what it looks like. Any given time, this is what it will be looking like in the home. And so what we do is besides having the, having the lunch, what we do is get out and walk. Some people like to stay back at the house, but we encourage after having some lunch, let's all go for a walk. The reason why I took this picture in this spot, it's the river in High River, and after, I, I, you weren't here, some of you were here, but after I accepted the Lord in Dallas, 84, I lost my walk again, and I didn't get it back. I didn't re-surrender again to 2009, and I went back into that old lifestyle. About 2009, June, on June, uh, 20, uh, June, 22, June the 8th at 2.32 in the afternoon, I re-accepted the Lord in my life. And all those things I surrendered to God, plus a lot of work, okay, of not going back into those old things, those old treasures. But I went right to this spot to take this picture because after I re-accepted the Lord in my life, again in 2009, I wasn't ready to go back to the Adventist church. You see? I wasn't ready. What I want to do is I wanted to study and go into the scriptures again. And that's what I did. But every Friday night and Saturday morning, I'd go to that spot and I'd watch the sun go down and I'd have prayer and I'd say thank you to God because I still believed in the Sabbath, right? That's, there is still that connection. So that was a sweet spot going there. Now, this is some uh, in the afternoon, some more other activities go on. The evening time, any given time, we'll have like a little pit fire in the backyard. This is all again about building community. The balance, the balance of studying the scripture, good gospel music. I like gospel music, okay? Having some good food, having a good walk, and get together and having these secular activities together. Where actually, where you really get to know each other. Because you really don't get to know each other in church that much. From my experience, there's nothing around there. And this is how what, what is happening here. Thank you for sharing it because I was thinking about making this point uh, today. Is, is that there is no church in this area. And my prayer partner, and who is really behind me on working with this is Don Corkum, who used to be the president of West, uh, uh, Wisconsin Conference, then in Canada, and he's also in charge of church planting in my province. So it's working, it's a teamwork. And the thing is, is this, is when you do a, a planting a group, it's always about mission, never about division. I don't like the music, so I'm going to go start this. I don't like what they have for fellowship lunch, so I'm going to go start this. I don't like how the preacher, so I'm going to go start that. No, it's all about mission-driven. It's mission-driven. That, that's so, so important because sometimes these groups get off a little off track. And what I want to share with us, if you're ever thinking of doing this, and I pray that God puts it on your heart, 
you have to be very, very careful. It's, you have to be very careful. Because I know people I know that want to platform whatever it is about their ideas of prophecy that isn't accepted and they might be asked to leave the church or whatever, or it could be way off on some nutritional health issues or whatever, whatever it is. They want a platform. And what they do is they go to places where they can get that platform. But I make it very clear that with these people, you're welcome here, but you do not hand any of that material. You don't talk about it. And if you do, you're not ever to come back again. Very, very clear. And it's so important to set that. And that's a boundary. It's a healthy boundary. That's not controlling, but it's setting the healthy boundary because a lot of things come up. And I can share, not going into details, but the amazing thing is Vicki and Evelyn know about this. This group that's going on in my hometown, since I've been here, there's one individual there that's been part of leadership that's more, got more, I got involved where he shouldn't have. And it's causing chaos, and it all started since I came here. And a lady that's there that's helping, leading out, she's talking to me. So last night I was up late on the phone praying and talking about what to do with all this whole situation. Okay? And it's amazing what happens to be so careful. But we had to do it with respect. We had to nip it. Because what happens, it just causes chaos. Right? And I didn't want to get into that, but that's the fact. That's reality. That's real. That's what's happening. It's happening right now. And I have to address it this afternoon. Okay? So those things happen. But you know what? Like Vicki said, I'm out in my walk this morning. I'm singing hallelujah. We're talking last night with Vicki and some old friends that we haven't seen together in 37 years that the Lord led me in a Bible study with them. And, and he was sharing with Vicki last night. He's a is doctor in Ontario now, and he came here for a couple hours last night to talk. And he was saying, I remember when we are having our Bible study. And he said, Jerry there, he had the projector. So this is back in 1980. I had the projector out there going, and it, the thing was breaking down. We couldn't get the thing going. So what did Dave say? He said, Jerry, he said, what I said to do, let's stop and celebrate. Okay, I'm not cursing Satan because of this. I'm, I'm celebrating Jesus Christ and say, okay, let's, let's adapt. Let's do what we got to do. Let's go forward and they end up being baptized and involved in the church for years and they still are. So it's, you know, you just, you know, when things don't work out, just give it to the Lord, right? This is, uh, this is just another function that happens in the night. We get together. This, Mary, this lady at the front here, she's a gospel singer. Uh, it's, it's amazing how the Lord used her because before I accepted the Lord in my life in 2009, I still liked gospel music, you see? And in my town, they wanted to put a whole day of music on. And they asked me to be involved because I used to do the DJ thing in the club, right? So they asked me if I would be involved. And I said, okay, I will, but it's got to be gospel. And they said, okay. And so we lined up the United Church to have it because it was right downtown in my hometown. Was looking for someone to actually do the music. 
to do the gospel music, and I'm not boasting, but what the saddest thing is, when someone, a, a, a well-known singer says, I know the person just for, to fit that spot, had one spot left. I was drinking and there was a lot of pain at that time. I still like gospel music. I remember going and getting a case of beer and I was in that car going to find this lady. That's where I was at that time. But the Lord used this lady, okay? Because when she sang, and I heard her sing a few other times, and she called me up. This is before I re-accepted the Lord in 2009. She called me up. She goes, I need to talk to you about something. I said, sure. So I went and I met her at the parking lot. I got in her van. I thought maybe it was going to be something about her life. She looked at me, and she said, if you died today, do you know what your outcome would be? I looked at her. I said, kinda. I said, kinda. That's all I said was kinda. And she said, that is not good enough. Then it was some months after that, not long after that, up on a rooftop, I finally surrendered to God. You know, so how the Lord used her is amazing. This is somebody else that's uh, speaking on one day at the church, uh, our home group. This is another uh, function that we have. So all it is is all different people. This big Darren over here, then there's a cowboy, well-known cowboy singer, gospel singer. He came and he had the, the program one Saturday afternoon. And we had our Bible study in the morning. And these people, right around that same time, with I was telling Mary Ellen Gosselin, I phoned them to see if they would sing. And they, it was a Tuesday night, and she goes, oh, uh, we're right in a Bible study right now. I said, okay. I said to her, I said, would you pray for me? This is before I was going to church. I said, would you pray for me? So in there, they're, they're Baptists, right? But what they got together, and they prayed for me. And see how, the God, how God used other people? Because people I knew. This is... Uh, here one day we're watching, uh, well, that's Vicky on the screen. That's where we're doing the, uh, uh, the one on, uh, it was talking, it was an interview on, on addiction. And uh, so this is the other thing we do. We do the Liberty Free program. What I've done out of the home is, is that uh, for eight weeks, in the uh, Monday nights, set up the Living Free program. And people come to the home. Here's an amazing thing. Something awesome, but really when you think about it, it's pretty unique, but it happens. A couple I know that are very involved in another denomination were actually coming to the Living Free program because they felt safe to talk about it there and not in their own church. So this is something that happens in our own groups, right? Sometimes if we, if you say, you go, oh, how are you doing? Oh, happy Sabbath. How are you doing? Do you really want to know? When you ask that, do you really want to know? Or are we just asking, right? But it's so important to have some, uh, um, some uh, good, solid people there. And, and we have that other group. Now, this, uh, this gentleman right here on the guitar, I remember him from the rock and roll days. Amazing guitarist, Okay. And uh, I, was on, um, I was on amphetamines for 15 years. And I got off of them. And all those 15 years, it was probably only about five days that I wasn't wired on the stuff, right? And uh, I was working on this job. 
And uh, this gentleman right here, I, I was so impressed at accepting the Lord that everything disappears, right? And I, I had the bottle in my glove box. And I stopped my truck and I said to this guy in the passenger seat, I said, see that bottle in there? Open the door and throw it in the garbage. Okay, for me. And he took it and he hit the garbage thing and hit the side of it and bounced off. I can say this because he opened, he spoke openly about what I'm about to share. He said he was tempted to go and get it and keep it for himself. He almost died of fentanyl. I don't know if you know the fentanyl up here. Okay, fentanyl up here. Okay, so you know what? The whole thing, and when, when, you're, when the Living Free program was playing, this was only about three months ago, he was sitting there, and he got up after, and he spoke. He said, everything that's on there is truth. He's a paramedic. So you know what? He knows. So this is a picture here. This is the other thing that we do. Have the activities at certain times. This is having food, eat. This is actually a Friday night. We're having a little something to eat. So I mentioned that Friday nights we have something to eat. We invite the community and uh, they come, and we have a Bible study. The first one was on uh, forgiveness. Very important. Very important, uh, learning about forgiveness. The second one was on boundaries, having good, healthy boundaries. Okay. Then also, then we did this uh, Discovering Revelation. Now what we're doing is we're doing the study on um, come alive with Jesus. It's a very basic one, but very good program. Now, this guy I have to tell you about, he's given me permission to say to, this, name, this guy's name's Jay. Here's a very unique story. At the flood, he, lived, he only lives about a half a block from me. His girlfriend died in the flood, okay? And another guy died in the flood, but his girlfriend died in the flood. I got to know him more. This is Don Corkum actually speaking uh, here. I, I got to know him more after the flood. One Friday night about a year ago, this is how God works. I find it so amazing. We're just having our fellowship lunch, supper. And I get a phone call. And my house is on a corner block. And uh, it's Jay. I'm going like this. Oh, it's Jay. So I go, hello. And he goes, hey. He said, look out your window. So I went. I looked out my window. I can see him out my window standing with his phone. He goes, what are you guys doing? Now, he doesn't go to church. He goes, what are you guys doing? I said, oh, we're having, a, we're having a, a potluck. We're having a supper. And I believe at that time we're doing a study on forgiveness or boundaries. And I said, we're having a study, a Bible study. And you know what he said to me? He goes, why aren't I invited? <laughs> Could you imagine that someone coming to the side of your house when you're having supper and you're going to have a study and your neighbor is going, why aren't I invited? <laughs> Amazing. I said, well, come on in. And he come around to the front of the house, and he's been studying for a year. And like when he, when the, whoever is speaking, he'll come, he'll come, and he says, I won't go to church, but I'll come here. But here's the amazing thing. It was about two months ago. And actually, uh, Chris Holland did an interview about this from It Is Written about this story. What just what I'm about to share with you now, and about him knocking, uh, calling, is that on a, on a Sunday morning, I get a knock on my door. 
And he has walked out of the program two times. Just go, he says, I'll never listen to this guy. That's exactly what he would say. It's just too much, right? He'd walk out. Then he'd come back in. But he came in about, I think it was three months ago, Sunday morning. Knock on a ding-dong. I can tell the way he ding-ding-ding like this in the door. Open it, I go, who's this early in the morning? He walks in. He goes, first thing he said to me, I don't know if I've ever accepted God into my life. Exactly what he said. And I was like, wow, like this. Here's someone coming to your door and saying that to you. And I said, come on in. And we sat down and we talked. And I carry with me in my Bible five simple steps to salvation. Always be prepared with something. You never know where you're going to use it, right? And we went through that. And we had prayer. And I asked him if he'd like to accept the Lord in his life. And he said, yes. And I had a prayer. And I said, would you like to pray? And he said, yes. He takes off his hat. And he's pretty rough. I'm a little rough around the edges too. I'm getting a little smoother with God's love. But he's a little rough around the edges. And he goes, well, God, just like that. He just goes, well, God. And he says a little prayer. And how he says it, he goes like this. He says, teach me what I need to know. Simple prayer. Teach me what I need to know. Amen. Simple. Simple. And you know what? He comes to the studies now. He's got his own Bible. He puts the Bible right up like this. He's sitting there and he'll be writing out and he'll even ask if he can have prayer. And one day, one day what happened? There was, uh, there was eight of us in that study. So we had prayer requests that just went around. And I said, okay, let's have prayer. And he goes, can I lead out in the prayer? I said, sure. And do you know what? He repeated every single person's prayer request. Also, the one person that didn't say a prayer request, but he, had, he mentioned in our where we were eating about his vehicle being broken down, he even added that into it. Then when he finished, he said, see, I'm paying attention. That's exactly what he said to me, okay? Now this is here, gathering. This is the other thing that we do that's very important because when we have group, is we also have, we do coconut, some healthy games, some activities that are good. Okay, we do those other activities that they're interested in because there's a person sitting here. I've even said to the group, I said, where would you be today if you weren't here on Friday night? Now, this isn't Friday night because we don't do this on Sabbath. They know that we don't do this on Sabbath. We have sundown worship and after that an activity, right? I said, where would you, what would you be doing if you weren't here tonight? In the bar, drinking, gambling. But this is where they are. Instead, so you want to have the other activity. This is another one of activity. This is a movie night. Uh, this is uh, back here, so we'll have good, wholesome movies with some popcorn. And uh, this was... Vicki Griffin, when she, I had to put that in there, when she came to my, my hometown last year in Ontario, when I heard Vicki was going to be in Ontario, I flew down to Ontario, said I have to go there. And I uh, just had to be there and show her some places of uh, actually 
not boasting that, but I'm just saying I even took uh, Vicky by the old jail that I did time in, and I said, that's where I used to spend my time. And we went by there, and I just want to say, that's the place. But you know what? God has created, created a new, new being here. God is so gracious and loving and kind. And um, I just want to say that I hope what is being shared through this whole week by Vicky and Evelyn and myself, that taking a little bit of it, taking just one thing and putting it into practice. And you know what? For me, whenever these trials come up, even like I shared with you this week and what has happened, you know what it does for me? It gives me time to spend time in prayer. And if you've heard any change, a chain jingling or anything like that when I've been here this week, it's because I've gotten out the old logging chain to see if there's any logs in my own eye first before I deal with this situation. It's so important that when situations arise, that as an individual, that I spend time in prayer and say, Lord, is there something I need to learn here? And you know what? I learn because the Lord shows me something. So it's another opportunity. I don't know. There's another opportunity for me to learn out of it. So I just pray. I pray that you keep us in prayer. Um, it's been a blessing. And uh, that blessed hope, that blessed hope. And I'm just wondering if we have a few minutes here is that if anybody has any, um, if there's any questions or any thoughts or of how to, about the group, anything about I shared with or during the week that maybe we didn't have time to, yes. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, thank you. We'll do that. Um, what they've done in the town, they've built like a 10 foot berm all along the river. And now they classify it as probably the safest place town in Canada. So what they have done is amazing what they have done. But you know, at the same time, is, is that the last time they had water in my area, I believe it was 1904, and it was about four inches on the ground. When we had water in 2013, it's over three feet. And just down the street is eight feet high. So that's how high it was. So it was one of the... But we know... I know that things are going to get, you know, things are going to get worse. I'm an optimist, but we know things are going to happen, right? But they've done what they can do, and I've built my place five feet higher off the ground. So, uh, the prayer, maybe we can have that prayer. Uh, can you say a big amen today? Amen. How many of you have been just reflecting and thinking and thinking, well, you know, what's the deal that I have to have the perfect towels? in my bathroom before I do this, so that all the tablecloths have to match, or all the, you know, in our quick cuisine, we showed you how to open three cans and make chili beans in a crock pot, right? <laughs> so do you, do you feel convicted, like I do, that we need to be more available yeah. to human beings? He passed by no one as unworthy of his notice. We never know what God is gonna do. And it keeps us alive. It actually restores our first love. Mm -hmm. uh, Amen. And, and that's what dies in us, is when we cease to think of others. Yes? 
Amen. Amen. Thank you so thank, much, Brother thank Jerry. You, thank you, and there, thank you for sharing that. And one thing before I have prayer is, is that this is what's in my mind, and it's become so part of me. And everybody's different, and I'm not saying everybody can, in a situation, invite people to their home. I, I'm not saying that, and, and it's not every, like I was sharing, you know, I have a guy that comes to the home who used to be a debt collector for the Hells Angels, right? But he wants a change in his life. Well, not everybody's set up to do that. They don't have that past experience, okay? So when we can talk, but here's the thing I have in my mind. Why should I expect anybody to go to church with me if I ask them, if I'm not willing to ask them to my home? And there's certain situations it's not good to do it. I understand. But in general thinking. Amen. Amen. And you've talked a lot uh, privately about how you use wisdom and boundaries and distance. Yes. And appropriateness and all of those mm -hmm. things that we have to do. And uh, so God will give us the discretion uh, that we need to, to be appropriate. But most certainly we, you know, are I know that my experience with God and with people is completely different when I have literature with me and I'm prepared and I'm paying attention and I'm looking around versus totally self-absorbed in my own little cafe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And which day do you think is a better day? When you're, when, you're, when you're out there, yeah. So may God help us to put away those little things that are a hindrance and, and that are rooted in in so much self-interest that we have no time for other people. I'm so thankful today that he heals the broken heart. Thank you for your testimony, brother. That was really amazing. And and I tell you, Evelyn didn't look over my way to call on me, but uh, I, I, what I do, my thing that I'm doing is I, I'm always watching that attitude. Mm -hmm. You can cop an attitude easily without even realizing it. And sometimes it's harder to be right than to be wrong. We know how to eat humble pie. We've eaten it hot, we've eaten it cold. <laughs> but when you're right is when we can we can really get that attitude going. And it's called a root of bitterness. Amen. And so I'm so thankful that the Lord wants to check that in us as he spends time with us each day in his word. Well, God the bless prayer. each and every the one prayer. of you. Yeah, we're going to pray. Father in heaven, what a privilege it has been to come and sit at your feet to find out how to hurt, help hurting people and also how to help ourselves. As we look at Jesus as he walked this earth, his mission was to restore people. Thank you for your love for mankind. You're not only the creator of the universe, you're the redeemer of our souls. Amen. And we can trust ourselves in your hands. Guide and direct us. As we go back to our homes, may we be able to use the things that you have taught us here. To bring glory and honor to your name, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.